mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spoke Media. Not Sorry Productions. I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and this is Hot and Bothered, and today we are bringing you a new segment called... Julia, what is this segment called? Stop Imagining Having Good Sex. And Julia, our listeners might notice that your voice sounds a little bit different. Would you like to explain to them why? Fifteen years ago, I got hit in the face with a field hockey ball while wearing a mouth guard, and then four weeks ago, my tooth decided to get infected and have to be pulled. You are the cutest person that I know without a front tooth. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so today's Reddit question. Okay, so this question is from a user who called themselves, Romance Books Ruined Me. I, 23-year-old woman, think romance novels ruined my expectations of love, and I'm second-guessing my relationship with my boyfriend, 23-year-old man, of one and a half years. How do I know if he's who I want to spend my life with? And if I'm just scared of commitment. I love my boyfriend. I really do. He's ready to get engaged and get married. But I'm feeling terrified of making a wrong decision. We've talked about it and planned for the future. But now that we've looked at rings, I am freaking out a bit. I've read romance novels for years from age 11 until now and keep doubting my feelings because real life doesn't match the books. Realistically, I know that life isn't like a romance book, but I can't help but question what we have because of it. The other part of this is that I think I've realized I have some issues with commitment. I have a hard time committing to a decision to make a big purchase, never mind committing to forever with someone. So my question for you, Reddit, insert Julia and Vanessa, is how do I know? How do I know that this is what I want even though it's not a romance novel relationship? I just need to be talked down and given some unbiased advice. Please help. We are unbiased. Yes. So the name of the segment is Stop Imagining Good Sex. I don't know what romance novel expectations that she's not getting fulfilled in her relationship. So I projected that she's not having good sex, and in romance novels, there's good sex. And so she just needs to stop imagining that, and then her problems will be solved. Oh, my God. I have such a different opinion, and this is going to offend you because you're a 23-year-old woman. I don't think anybody should get married before the age of 26. 
That doesn't offend me. Okay. So I'm like, you should wait. You're not ready to get married. You guys have only been together a year and a half, and you're a child. Yeah, no, I, I actually think that as well. There are certain cultures in which there is an absolute reason to get married young, right? If you are part of like a very religious group in which it's like very important to have a really big family and you know exactly what the cultural norms of your family are going to look like, I think that it tends to make sense to get married young. I think that there are very few reasons why people should be getting married at 23. I just like don't understand why a 23-year-old is feeling pressured to get married. Maybe romance novels are the problem, but like maybe she's just not ready to get married. I'm 37 and I'm like barely ready. Uh, Yeah, I don't think people should get married unless they know they want to get married. So that seems like the easiest answer to this. Right. Like regardless, this guy might be right for you, but like timing is wrong. And if he's not willing to wait for you, then he's not the guy for you. And like, that's fine. You're a wee babe. Here's the thing that I think is really hard about being young. And I say this as somebody who, like, knows that I'm still young and still, like, falls into this trap. The stakes feel high because you haven't had enough time on this earth to make huge mistakes or have huge things go badly and then see, oh, but five years later, things are totally fine, right? When you're 23, like, five years ago was high school. It was a totally different time. Whereas when you're, like, 37, like, my whole life fell apart when I was 30, and now I, like— have a whole other life. So I get to tell myself this story that people come back from catastrophes. And I feel like what she's saying is, it's a catastrophe if I don't marry this man, this man who I love, who's like offering me everything I'm supposed to want, but I don't want it. It's not a catastrophe. Say no. Yes, I agree. The name of the segment is Just Say No. (laughs) Just Say No to Marriage. (laughs) Yeah. The other just say no question is, like, do we think we should be just saying no to, like, romance novels and rom-coms more? Do we think that these are ruining our lives? I think the interesting part of this question for me, which I had brought up in the beginning, is what she is seeing in these stories that she's not experiencing herself. But I was wondering here if what she was seeing in romance that was leading her to doubt her relationship was this idea that when you meet someone who you're going to spend the rest of your life with, that you suddenly become sure that that is true. And I think that that is what's troubling her, is that she doesn't feel sure and therefore doesn't feel like this is a romance that will last. So I worry that this Reddit questioner, if it's I'm not having good sex and there's good sex in romance novels, that's something to examine more. But if it's I'm not sure I want to be with this person forever— I don't think that means that their relationship is doomed to fail. Absolutely. I think it might just be they should be together for five and a half years before they get married. And also the other thing that tends to happen in romance novels because they are fantasies is that all of the negative things in your life change. He comes into your life and also some money comes into your life, right? Like we just have to think about Jane Eyre. She gets money, independence, to live near a family. She was an orphan. She gets cousins. Like she gets everything. And so there's this feeling that like the man comes in and you literally your whole life clicks into place. And like that's certainly not the way that the world works. I definitely don't want us to be walking away from the segment being like telling ourselves stories about good men who come in and our whole lives get better is bad for us. Because I don't think that's true. But also, 
I'm just, like, wondering, like, the power of, like, telling ourselves stories and retelling the same stories and, like, the ways that they work on us in ways that we can't anticipate. How much we should be, like, curating the stories that we read in order to make sure we're, like, getting the right messages for ourselves and, you know? So is it just a cop-out to say that you'll know that romance novels are hurting you if they're causing you more distress than they are causing you comfort? So here's the thing. I don't want people to spend their whole lives pining for a fantasy, and nor do I want people settling, right, too quickly. I think that settling is a very complicated concept, and I don't know what role romance novels have in, like, complicating that problem of, like, giving us these hopes of what a man can be. I think it's important to expect a lot from men, but I also don't think that men come in and, like, rescue us. Yeah, and especially don't rescue us, and also suddenly our financial problems are solved, and— We've never had better orgasms. And you get saved from being kidnapped. (laughs) Your tooth suddenly grows Grows back. back in. The tooth fairy comes and leaves me $1,200 for my dental fees. Instead of a bill. Yeah. Right. Okay, so the question is, like, what what stories do we retell ourselves and why, and what role does telling ourselves— these stories again and again play in our lives. Is it good or bad? Yeah, how do we know if they're harming us and how do we know if they're giving us something to strive for? We should ask someone smarter. Yes, I agree. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com My name is Margaret H. Willison, and I am one half of the Two Bossy Names Culture Newsletter, one third of the Appointment Television Podcast, a semi-regular fourth chair on Pop Culture Happy Hour, and today we'll go with a putative winner of the imaginary reality TV show, America's Next Top Best Friend. Ooh, congratulations. Thank you. I just think it's one I would really excel at. Yeah, um, because you're there to make friends. Yeah, I had a t-shirt that said that for a long time. <laughs> it's a good bet. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And you are also a romance reader. A huge romance reader. I am a passionate advocate for romance readership. Yes, okay. And so with all of your qualifications as a cultural critic, somebody who thinks about the way that culture impacts our lives, and as a voracious reader of romance novels, 
we have asked you here today to respond to a Reddit question that somebody posted on Reddit and did not ask for our input on, but we are giving it to them anyway. Well, I mean, they posted it on Reddit. They asked for everyone's input. There you go. So I'm going to read you this Reddit question. So excited. I love my boyfriend. I really do. He's ready to get engaged and get married, but I'm terrified. How do I know? How do I know that this is what I want, even though it's not a romance novel relationship? I just need to be talked down and given some unbiased advice. There is no such thing as reading too many romance novels. We live in a society that tells women at every turn what you want is wrong, what you want is too much, what your job is is not to have wants and needs yourself that you should expect to have met, but to anticipate the wants and needs of people around you, meet them, and minimize the requirements you have of anyone else. That's the problem, that romance novels give you a space where instead you're encouraged to think about what your wants could be and encouraged to live in a space where your wants and needs are some of the most important parts of the storytelling fabric. Like That's not a problem that's necessary. That's a necessary corrective. So given all of that, because I completely agree with everything that you just said, what would your advice be to this young woman? My advice to this young woman would be uh, marriage is a huge commitment, and it's also not a requirement. Uh, If you don't feel confident that this partnership is going to make your life better forever, pause. You don't have to make that commitment yet. You're 23. (laughs) So you should really only be doing it if you're, like, jazzed. If you just think, this is the person I'd like to spend 70% of my time with, for the rest of my life. That's a great partner, and you should go for it. And no, that's not going to look like romance novels all of the time. You know, your sex lives are going to vary over the course of a long relationship. How enthusiastic you are about each other's company is going to vary over it. But it should just be someone where you think every day, my life is going to be better because this person is in it. And if it's anything less than that, Why? So you have established romance novels, power for good, power for women to be imagining exactly what you're talking about, right? Well, where where romance is a constant benefit and romantic relationships with men or with women, with whomever you've picked, with, you know, even the sex demon you've discovered, it's it's making your life better. It's improving your life. It's enriching your life all the time. And if it's not doing that, it's wrong for you. But there are also, like, brilliant people who say that there are real benefits to compromising and to, quote-unquote, settling in our relationships, right? Because marriage makes us more financially stable, makes us live longer. So do you think that it is possible, what this young woman is entertaining, that reading too many romance novels is setting standards too high and therefore makes it unrealistic? Like, no man can be Jamie Frazier, although, Diana Gabaldon, I know you don't consider your books romance. I think the place where I could find some issues with this isn't necessarily these fantasies are too good and isn't it dangerous to expect men to be that good all of the time. I think the place where you can bump into some problems is what happens when the fantasies you're reading over and over and over again are actually kind of fucked? (laughs) What happens when the fantasy you're reading over and over again is wealthy man with power 
accidentally impregnates person in his employ with no power and no financial ability, and then they together make it work into a successful relationship. If all you're reading is the millionaire's surprise baby, that's not the direction that I think relationships in our society should be growing in. Um, So there you can kind of trip me up on this, but at the same time, I just think that it's such a paternalistic attitude to assume that women are incapable of distinguishing between fictional happy endings and real-life relationships, and that it's based in wanting to keep women's expectations as small as possible so they can be ignored as comfortably as possible for the people who'd like to take advantage of them. I agree with every single thing that you're saying. (laughs) One thing that frustrates me sometimes that my friends will say is I broke up with him because he would never just surprise me with dinner. Like, I would have to ask him to make dinner for me. (laughs) And I'm just like, well, he's not a mind reader. Like, that is something that, like, men in romance novels or in rom-coms do. Like, oh, I created—right, like, that Logan does that for Rory in Gilmore (laughs) Girls, where he's like, I surprised you from London and made us this beautiful picnic on the roof and— And, like, if that's something you want, I believe that you have to tell men what you want. And then you can judge them if they are unwilling to meet your expectations and give you what you want. So I'm wondering what you think about that. When I just get frustrated with my friends when they'll break up with a guy because it feels like, to me, they're just expecting him to read their minds. I feel like there are good messages you can take away from romance novels and bad messages you can take away not just from romance novels, but from romance culture in America. And it's basically like, are you taking it as a reason to investigate your wants and practice communicating about them? Or are you taking it as a fantasy where my wants should be apparent to anyone who truly cares about me? And I should, if if I have to articulate them, something in the system is broken. But at the same time, I I think you're wrong to be so frustrated with your friends and you're wrong to assume that they're just quitting because they're not dating mind readers. Because there is a way that women are trained to read minds and uh, men are trained Mm. to be obtuse. And you can sense a difference between uh, receptive emptiness and uh, entitled obtuseness. And if that's what they're cottoning on to with their partners, they maybe are getting messages before they've even thought to articulate their needs that their needs aren't of interest to their partners. But I do think there is an element of um, passivity that can be coming into our romantic narratives that like, I'd love to see interrogated more. I think a space where female fantasy is understood as the ultimate goal, like, I think that that's sacrosanct and it has to exist. Because if you don't have the right to play pretend, how will you ever know what you want in the real world? One of the big ways that this is really true for women is it's when you think about how women encounter sex. And I am 34, so I came of age sort of with the internet, but it wasn't a fully developed force in my life when I was 12. 
Uh, So what was the first thing that I read about sex? It was narratives about rape and sexual molestation in teen magazines where it's presented as like a problem or an issue and it's just this painful zone. And so I think that that gave me and like a bunch of women of a similar age a very sort of tangled up idea of sex and consent. And so in that sense, reading romance novels was this incredible corrective force in my life, right? It allowed me to map those hormones and that sexual imagery and that excitement onto a narrative where your role wasn't passive victim, right? Where the reward wasn't you've been deemed so overwhelmingly appealing that a man can't help himself and he has to attack you. But it was, this is a thing you participate in equally, this is an act that brings you active joy, pleasure, excitement, and your interest in pursuing that male object is just as keen and just as much a focal point. And this is actually one of the places where I think Twilight is really, really interesting, despite being very problematic. So Bella is incredibly passive. Uh, She's very weak. Edward is really controlling, and he polices her sexuality really aggressively because the narrative is basically like, if they go too fast, he'll kill her. That's not the best narrative in the entire world. But when you look about how that actually plays out in the narrative, what that means is that Bella is given this free expanse to be as lustful as she wants to be. And never have to deal with the adverse consequences of that because somebody else is playing umpire. Somebody else is the traffic cop. And she can just be free-flowing, untrammeled lust. (laughs) Yep. What you're talking about is also why that women in these books are taught to be passive until the point where they are just so undeniably— seductive by their very being that a man has to rape her is how we get to Donald Trump saying that she's not my type and therefore I wouldn't rape her and misunderstandings about rape as a violent act rather than as a lustful act. Right. And so it's like, actually, again, romance novels are so healthy because they give us like a better understanding of what consensual sex looks like so that we know that attraction does not lead to rape. Attraction leads to consensual sex. Right. And rape is about something else entirely. So what we're deciding about this young woman is you're definitely not reading too many romance novels. Definitely not. I don't think that's your problem. Is she maybe reading the quote-unquote wrong romance novels? Without more information about what expectations they've given her, I super couldn't speak to that. But if... You're expecting a level of excitement and love and joy based on romance novels that your relationship isn't giving you on a day-to-day basis. That's something to pay attention to. That's not something to write off. And so is the advice we're giving dump him? It's not necessarily dump him, right? It's just like, say, I'm not ready for marriage. Yeah, exactly. I'd need way more information before I said dump him. I mean, Um, she's not listening because she didn't ask us. But I would say if you're about to make a huge decision and you don't know it's the right one and no one is forcing you to make it on a particular timeline, don't make it yet. Slow your roll a little bit and try and understand what certainty would look like for you and what joy in a relationship would look like for you. 
My sister-in-law did something that I thought was so trite. She was visiting right when I broke up with somebody. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but he was so right for me. He had this culture. Like, he had all of these boxes. And she was like, let's make a new kind of list. Let's list (laughs) everything that actually, like, really matters to you. Like, not he spent time in Hungary and your dad is from (laughs) Hungary so he could speak to dad in Hungarian. Right. That's a nice perk, but, like, who cares? That's not something you can date for. (laughs) Right. And it's so funny how, like, that list when I— and, like, she really held my feet to the fire on it. I was like, oh, I actually, like, don't care if he's funny, right? Like, like, he has to, like, have a sense of joy and humor, but, like— If he's not making good jokes— you're going to be fine. Right. You want the male idea of has a good sense of humor, which is laughs at my jokes. Right. (laughs) It turned out to be this, like, really productive thought experiment where we spent a couple of hours really interrogating everything that I thought I wanted, and now I've found my dream man. He's not funny. (laughs) He thinks he's funny. That's the best kind of not funny for a man to be. (laughs) (laughs) He thinks I'm funny. That's actually the best kind of not funny for a man to be. Finds his female partner hilarious. He does. He's like, she's the funny one. And I'm like, true. (laughs) Not your job. Your job is to cook and get stains out of my dresses. My job is to be hilarious. Yeah, and I think that's basically what this young woman needs to do is you need to use what you've taken from romance novels. Think about what set off a fireworks display in your head and translate that into real expectations and real hopes and dreams for you and your partners. And I really want to thank you because I like, I now don't judge my friends. (laughs) I'm like, oh, like what you want is somebody who's like noticing that it would mean a lot to you to just cook a meal. (laughs) Right. And like, that's a fair thing to want. It's one of the most complicated things, uh, how to value something you've asked for and how much you need to ask for before it's too much. Right. Right. So well said. Well, Margaret H. Wilson, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I had a wonderful time. I'm going to bring your advice back to Julia, and we will come to a final conclusion. Fantastic. Yes, on this young woman's feet. Right. This young woman who has no idea this podcast exists and didn't ask our advice. Correct. I hope she hears it and takes it to heart. Me too. (laughs) Because it's great advice. We're very smart. We really are. So, Julia, what did you think about what Margaret had to say? I thought it was interesting that she said that it can be paternalistic to say that women can't distinguish between fictional and real happy endings, but that seems to be the problem that the woman on Reddit is having. I think that Margaret was saying that that is a story that the patriarchy tells us, that like men's imaginations are great, but when a woman pretends it's unhealthy and she's not going to be able to tell the difference between the dream and reality. When, of course, women are smart enough to tell the difference between dreams and reality. And the reality is that this young woman's not ready to marry this guy. And so actually, romance novels are a great conditioning. They're conditioning women to expect more and expect better. Set high expectations and people will meet them. Yeah, I love that romance novels aren't 
not affecting us and not conditioning us. It's that they're conditioning us in a positive way to imagine futures and set high expectations for ourselves so we can find that in our own real relationships. I think basically what Margaret is saying is it's not that you've read too many romance novels. It's that you, either because of commitment reasons or because of youth or because he's the wrong guy, don't want to marry this guy. And I think the Redditor has discerned here that maybe romance novels are the problem and they're the problem in that her partner isn't matching up to the expectations that she should have for him. Yeah. I don't think that this woman is like waiting for him to roll up on a white horse. I think maybe she is like, to Margaret's point, expecting him to like know when maybe she needs a nice gesture like I used to judge my friends for, right? And that is an okay thing to expect from your partner. Men, for the most part, really expect it from women. And I don't want to tell men to lower their expectations. I just think women should raise theirs. And I think that romance novels can allow you to, like, practice and imagine dating without dating, right? I think romance novels actually give you all sorts of data in a safe way. So, Julia, I think we've changed the title of the segment from Stop Imagining Having Good Sex to There's No Such Thing as Too Many Romance Novels. True. There's no such thing as too much good sex. (laughs) Stop Imagining Having Good Sex was a joke. Really? That was not my actual recommendation. So where are you going now? I'm going to floss my teeth. I have a dentist appointment tomorrow. Mm. Can I come? Of course. Are you going to floss my teeth or are you going to floss your own teeth? I'm just going to watch. Ooh, fun. I'll entertain you while you floss your teeth. Will you sing me a song? Yes. But Julia, before we stop imagining good sex, we have a big announcement to make, which is that our Patreon is up and running. So if you are enjoying the show and want to support our ability to keep it going and hopefully have a season two one day then you can support us on Patreon. We have some amazing perks on there. We have extended interviews because we have these incredible experts on and we can't use all of the brilliant things that they say. We have special reviews from me on what romance novel I'm currently reading and that is exclusive Patreon content only for those of you who support us on Patreon. So please go and check out our Patreon, Hot and Bothered, and we really appreciate your support. So now, Julia, let's definitely stop imagining having good sex. This has been No Such Thing as Too Many Romance Novels, an episode of Hot and Bothered. A big thanks to Margaret H. Wilson. Everybody go subscribe to her newsletter, Two Bossy Dames. It is fantastic. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Rom Pod. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And we are a co-production of Not Sorry Productions and Spoke Media. We are executive produced by Vanessa Zoltan and Ariana Nettleman. Our Reddit question was chosen by me, Julia Argy. We are edited by Chelsea Erson. Our production team is Bridget Goggin, Janielle Kastner, Caroline Hamilton, Jenna Hannum, Will Short, and Alexander Mark. And our music is from First Com. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com. Moonpig.com